Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. You are listening to episode 273 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. And today we're going to talk about how to have anal sex. We talked about it in the past, but today we're going to go in depth about preparation, aftercare, what you can do to increase your pleasure. But before I tell you all about our conversation for today, I want you to know that I have a free checklist of more than 100 ways that you can spice up your relationship with your partner tonight. It has three different levels based on people's level of adventureness, and it has something for everyone. I've been sharing this with my clients, and they usually love it because sometimes when we are in in a relationship, we might feel bored or perhaps we want to kind of change things up for special occasion. So if this is you, I invite you to download the checklist. As I mentioned, today we're going to talk about anal sex. We're going to talk about the pros and cons of using toys over your fingers. We're going to talk about starting, how to start with anal sex, how to prep your body. We're going to talk about the mistakes people making. We're going to talk about whether to douche or not douche. We're going to talk about what you can do to make sure you're protecting yourself from SDI, all sorts of fun stuff, fun and essential stuff. And since previously I had this wonderful sex educator on our show and she gave us information about how to do anal sex from a sex educator perspective, I wanted to invite a physician to give us another perspective. Our guest today is Dr. Evan Goldstein. Dr. Goldstein is a physician and he has a private practice uh, focusing on surgical care. His office is Upper West Side and he's been supporting LGBTQ population for years and years. So we were going to cover all the questions that you have about this topic. If you have a question, we have an answer in this episode. Make sure you're sending them to us. We're doing another episode next week about pegging. So we want to make sure you are ready for all sorts of anal pleasure. Before I go to our conversation, I wanted to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Promessen. Permesan is a premium sexual health company and they provide a range of different products, including lubricants, female arousal gels, massage oils, delay spray, so many wonderful things. They offer free shipping on orders over $10 and they offer a 60-day no-hassle money-back guarantee on all products. All you need to do is go to promesan.com, spelled P-R-O-M-E-S. C-E-N-T.com and you can check the product that's right for you. There are tons of information about choosing the right product for you on their website. I'll tell you about my favorite product from their company at the end of the show. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Evan Goldstein. 
Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Dr. Goldstein on our show today. Dr. Goldstein, welcome to our show. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking all things sex. Yes, yes. <laughs> My favorite topic. You know, I was just sharing with you that how your branding, your website feels very, very different than what you see for medical doctors. And I feel like, yes, part of it branding, but part of it also helping people to feel welcome, that this is an area I can be comfortable to talk about my kind of taboo topic. So I think it's wonderful that this is your calling and you're helping people. And it seems like you create this welcoming environment. I'm kind of curious, how did you get interested in, in this area? So actually, I didn't even know that there was such a thing from how do we provide care to specifically the gay community and then to the anal community. I was actually training for cardiothoracic surgery. I was late coming out in life. I met my partner, Andy. And during training, I was just totally miserable. And I said, all right, how do I kind of look at my community and start trying to figure out how I can best take care of it? And I started to say, well, who's taking care of if someone has an injury or if someone doesn't know how to engage the way that they want to? Who's out there as a practitioner delivering that care? And the reality is, is that nobody was doing it. And the key component for me was, all right, if we're going to take this on, it needs to be a bespoke approach, which is really understanding the taboo subject, understanding that people don't feel comfortable talking about their sexual desires, their sexual and surgical potential needs. And how do we do that? And, and, and thank you from a website perspective. I mean, the goal for me is even before you step foot in the office, that you understand that it's a welcoming environment. That the reality is, is that, yes, I understand it's very hard to talk about your ass. And a lot of times I'll start to kind of really make sure that it's an easy discussion and easy dialogue. And I tell all the time in podcasts, I don't care what you do sexually. I don't care what you want to shove up your ass. It doesn't matter to me. It's your life and you should be able to do what you want when you want it without judgment. And I, I, as a surgeon, am there to support that. So when you come into the office and we're talking, the goal for me is to have you walk away, whether it's medically or surgically, being able to do everything that gets you off without any judgment or stigma associated. Beautifully put. I agree with you. And I feel we all entitled to pleasure. Pleasure is a great thing. And telling people, shaming people about things, that's part of their kind of human experience. It never works. And I think it's very powerful and empowering to give people great information to engage in the behavior that gives them fun and enjoyment and connection, but they're doing it in a way that's helpful and educational and coming in from someone that has a you know, kind of like science-based scientific information that you have or other, other people that are kind of specializing in sexual health. I think that's very, very important. And you're absolutely right. People coming into the doctor appointment, psychologist appointment, and it's just tough for people to talk about sex. I know that I'm a psychologist. And when people come to my practice, they, they read every single thing on my website about everything. They know right. me so well because they want to make sure they're comfortable. And I can only imagine, I know lots of surgeons in my life and surgeons are intimidating. <laughs> 
can imagine that it's uh, it's requires lots of building rapport for people to feel comfortable. And I experience you being very relational and warm, but I can imagine that can be a very uncomfortable topic for people. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think that the key is most people that are coming to me understand that I understand and they understand which community. Um, and again, I don't only take care of the gay community. It's the entire anal community. And also even post-pregnancy, a lot of women may not be engaging in anal sex at all, but have extra skin or hemorrhoids or things that don't allow people to feel sexy. It doesn't even need to be a penetration perspective, just from just aesthetics, from vaginal function, just from, you know, even getting going to exercise class and uh, trying to get on a Peloton or doing Barry's boot camp and you feel irritated and things back there. And that just doesn't allow you to live the life that you want. So, I mean, I agree. I think it's doing a lot of these and, and I, you know, thank you for having me on here because what it does is it really shows people that this is something that is out there, that it's accessible, that it shouldn't be anything that is feeling as if it's still a taboo subject. And and breaking down those barriers are imperative. Because like you said, yes, I, I want you to be able to do everything that you want to do. And your body may not be wired functionally, but mentally, you say, yes, I do want to engage anally. But every time I try, it's painful, or I bleed, or it's not satisfying. And how do I now start to kind of connect the psychology component to sex, which I think is 60% of what sex is. And then the other 40% is what I do functionally on a surgical side. Beautifully put. And when it comes to anal sex, anal pleasure, I feel it's one of those things that people get it wrong a lot. I get lots of questions from the listeners about the issues that they have. And I would say like 50% of the time, it's a matter of not preparing right. So not having the right information, not preparation, all of those things can, can be important. But even before we're going to the act of having kind of experiencing anal pleasure, tell us about what are some of the mistakes that people are making when they they want they want to have anal sex, but they just don't have the right information. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And I think the problem also is that a lot of what we do is not regulated universally. And so you have a lot of people that are giving a lot of information and they have a lot of followers, but yet that information is not a standardized approach mm -hmm. to anal. And that's what we're trying to really do is to say, okay, these are the guidelines that we know scientifically are sound to engage anally. And then, yes, you could put your little twist on it or use your spe you know, special toy or whatever, but having a standardized approach is imperative because People feel like you can go from nothing to something big right away. People think like, oh, yeah, yeah, tonight's the night to stick it in and I'll be fine. And the answer is no, That's, that doesn't work like that. Anally, I usually put people on about a four to six week dilating protocol before they even think about having full-fledged penetrative sex. Because sex is not overtly complicated in the anal region. It's two components that I always talk about. It's skin and it's muscle. Is the skin going to fully relax and open? Is the muscle going to fully relax? And sex itself is a pressure-driven act, meaning if you exert too much pressure, what's going to happen? The skin will tear. It will be painful. The muscle will spasm. There's a lot of consequences to that. And especially in a female, what happens is, is an even male to female, when you're taking these hormones, that 
estrogen makes the skin so thin, especially anally. So in the beginning, if you just go to something big, what's going to happen is it's going to tear and cause issues. So one of the things I would tell the listeners is, first off, understand your anatomy, skin and muscle. Understand that there's three sets of muscles, two that you can control. So if you squeeze your ass right now, you'll control two out of the three. The third one is the one that doesn't really listen to you or I. And it's the one that people may find, well, I'm trying to relax. I feel relaxed, but yet I can't receive what I want. And it's usually that third muscle. And it takes time to train. And so we usually start with a dilating kit. They come as small, medium, and large of what would be considered like a butt plug. On our website at Bespoke Surgical, there's a lot of literature and kind of the shop component that goes over why I like certain toys versus others. And you start literally with just the small. And I tell people, pretend like you're going to the gym. It's no different. Give me two to three days of two to three sets of use, meaning small toy, you'll do a lot of lube. I tell people to do it right when you're showering. So turn the shower on, get a really good toy with the appropriate lube. And what you'll do is you'll slowly go in until you'll hit resistance. That's usually the first muscle. You'll come back out, re-lubricate, go back in again. You'll probably hit the first, maybe a little bit of the second, come back out. And you'll slowly start to kind of see, oh, I feel the three sets of muscles. Oh, I'm able to kind of push out my pelvic floor and learn how to fully relax. And the toys are imperative because what you're trying to do is not only get the muscle to relax, but you're also trying to get your skin to toughen up because when someone is behind you, they're generating so much force that you don't want that skin to tear. And I equate it to if you and I are going to the gym and we're lifting weights without gloves, we get calluses from the bar. It's the same concept. If you're using a bar, i.e. the butt plugs in the right way, a couple of times a week training it, you're going to get the skin to really start expanding, but toughening up so that if you have a larger bowel movement or someone is behind you engaging anally, that you now are setting the stage for success. So most people will do a small toy for like one to two weeks, then gradually always starting with the small, go from small into medium for another one to two weeks, and then get yourself into a good state where you feel completely comfortable. And then I could talk even further if you want on, all right, let's say tonight's the night and you say, all right, Evan, I did the dilating. I feel comfortable. Some people go from those toys into like a dildo, which is more lifelike. And again, a lot of this, yes, you could bring your partners into, but start first on your own because you're able to really see what feels good, what doesn't, how do you control, how do you make mistakes and feel comfortable with it on your own before you're like, okay, let's bring some partners into kind of toy play or foreplay. And then you really got to make sure that you're choosing right positions. So let's say tonight's the night. I'm ready to have sex. I feel comfortable. I've prepared all I needed. Now you're going to either bring the toys into sex so that you're pre-dilating, you're pre-lubricating, or do it right before your partner comes over. So everything is kind of ready to roll in terms of that. Because if you're assuming that the top or the person that is going to be delivering is actually knows what they're doing, you're probably going going to be missed 
you know, misrepresenting them many times. So empower yourself to know, okay, the first position that I should do is maybe on top, me in control, looking at my partner and making sure that I'm able to read off of them. How does it feel for them? Also, how does it feel for me? Is it painful? And, and think that the first couple of times that you're attempting, you may not fully get it in. And that's okay. You know, work with your body to say, okay, this was a good session. Reach, let's restart, try it again, and slowly get yourself into a good groove. This is, again, not going from nothing to something big. This is really taking your sweet ass time, <laughs> getting yourself into a good position because you just learn so much about your pelvic floor, your anatomy, where you now can start guiding the process in a way that minimizes as much injury as possible. I'm sorry, it was a long, a long winded chat. I love that. <laughs> you nailed like half of the questions I had, but I think it's it's so important when you mention kind of like it requires preparation. So sometimes people have this vision that they get from porn and my listeners, they know I'm not against porn, but like you see the person comes, maybe they're doing penetration and then switching from vaginal penetration to anal penetration and like so smoothly. And if that's not something that people are not prepared, that's not the case A and in porn, they have special effects and the kind of like the edit thing. So you might not even see the preparation and many people, honestly, that they're bottoming, they prepare multiple times per week and this is something they've done for years so even exactly if the, the kind of performer are like that's the case for them that's the case for them but if this is something that you are wanted to do it like a special occasion or that's something that you are new to it I feel like kind of preparation is so so important and I love that you talked about a kind of like inserting the toys yourself because that is important for you to be comfortable and kind of even with the sensation part of it is muscle preparation part of it is psychology it's sensation and all of that that's important well I guess I have two questions <laughs> as a follow one is many people I know many of my colleagues who recommend that you explore with your finger of course you want to make sure that you don't have any nail like it's like well filed but is that something that you recommend is there a reason you say toy versus a versus a finger I find that fingers are tough. One is, yes, you're right. A lot of people have nails. Even if you're using gloves, obviously it becomes an issue. Two is, if you think of a finger, it's so multi-jointed that a lot of people like the plucking feeling. But the problem with plucking is that you wind up catching sometimes the skin and there's tearing. Also, if you're playing by yourself, the angle of getting it directly where you need it to be, I find quite difficult, where now you're setting the stage for potentially causing injury. So look, I think people love fingers and I'll support if everyone says, hey, I want to use fingers, that's no problem. I'll support that. But I think that my go-to is always kind of first toys that I know that are safe, that are going to be whatever angle you place it, it's going to really get into the space that we need to deliver exactly what we're trying to do. With that said, I look at fingers as more advanced. And when you know your full anatomy, when you know the angles, when you know the muscles and you could use your finger to really guide muscle massage and muscle memory to get that relaxation, I totally am game for it. I just think that the go-to by yourself doing finger play, I'm just not sure that you're going to actually understand the true pelvic anatomy. And that was why I kind of say that. And one other thing I just would say is that when you look at the best bottoms in the world, 
okay? The best bottoms in the world, they bottom two to three times a week. If they're not, they're using toys those times that they're not bottoming to keep it functional. The muscle that is there only knows how to stay closed and it stays closed 99.9% of the day. With that said, because we weight lift, we do Peloton, we're now zooming and sitting more, it's even more contracted. So even if you say, hey, I'm just this infrequent bottom, once or twice a week, just giving two sets of 10, go in and out 10 times, stop, do it again. You start to really help translate better principles in life, not even anal, meaning when you're sitting down, you actually are feeling, oh, you know what? My pelvic floor is relaxing. When you go to the bathroom, you're actually like, oh, I I never experienced this. I'm able to fully understand how to control. So there's so many benefits, yes, besides the anal side of using toys periodically. And I equate it to people saying, all right, let's say if we go to the gym, one day I'm doing biceps, the next day I'm doing triceps. Why? To stretch the bicep because the bicep was really contracted the day before. The ass is the same component. It is a muscle and you have to treat it as such if you want to start bringing in all these different modalities. Exactly. I guess the other question that I get often is about hygiene. So I know people who have not had that kind of experience of any kind of exploring their anus, they kind of so worried about, okay, how should I prepare? And sometimes they do behaviors that are actually uh, harmful <laughs> to the result that they want. I hear like some some well-intended ways of douching and using anime and all of that that makes the situation worse and ca- honestly cause harm for them. So tell us, what, what do you do you recommend kind of douching? And if yes, what are some of the good preparation for people? Sure. So that was actually one of the reasons why I started a company called Future Method. And Future Method is all about positive practices, specifically in the anal space. And what I started to see was many people douching incorrectly, whether they're using water or they're using enemas or they're delivering it with really big bulbs or even a shower hose. All of these things, you have to start understanding that there's detriment that can happen. One of the big things in the community is obviously HIV and STD risk. And when you look at that, it is all directly related to douche. So I think a couple of things with how I started Future Method, which was thinking differently. Thinking, how do I step away from the old adage of anal health and start thinking globally of more gut health and entire body health? And what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, nine times out of 10, if you poop normally, where you're gonna be having anal sex is actually clean. Now, I understand society's stigma. I understand your own personal pressures. And that was why we developed the first ever anal douche solution that's not toxic, okay? And we also created a methodology, much smaller bulbs on purpose because we know people overdouche. And because we want to see the link of HIV, STDs, and anal traumas go down, we said, okay, first off, eating healthy diet is super important. Two is adding nighttime fiber supplementation is key. It'll start to bulk the stool. And just like a dog, if you ever see a dog poop on the street, it's like beautiful. They just poop. They never even need to wipe because it's just high in fiber and they're clean. I also implore people to explore, like we said before, with sex toys, just on their own without douching. Because I bet you nine times out of 10, you will be like, pull the toy out and be like, oh my God, 
it's it's clean and there's no issues. Stool itself is much higher. So when we're ready to go to the bathroom, the stool moves down and then it leaves. The act of anal sex is only within that reservoir. That's where nine times out of 10, it is actually going to be clean and not an issue. So I would say if you've used a toy, you say, hey, you know what? I do want to do a little bit of gentle cleaning. Take a look at future method. Even if you don't buy the product, just looking at the methodology of less is more and understanding that water and enemas are on two polar sides of the spectrum. And we really want to be what's called isoosmolar or isotonic, which is directly in the middle, meaning my solution will come into contact with your cells, clean everything, but won't irritate the cell. There is a lining in our ass that protects us. When you overdouche or you're using non-substantiated products, you're getting rid of that lining. And that is specifically the microbiome. And that will lead to our next product that we just launched within September, which is the first ever pre and probiotic that is specific to the anal microbiome. When you look at the understanding of douching and anal sex and lubricants, all of those change the microbiome locally. And when it does that, you now have a higher incidence of STDs and infections and irritations locally. So the goal for me was like, okay, if you don't need to douche, don't douche. If you are douching, let's come up with a solution that's not going to cause issues and a methodology that improves the overall anal hygiene. And then knowing that even if we do all the right things, our microbiome just from the act of sex is going to change. How do we replace the microbiome with the right pre and probiotics? So the, the goal of Future Method was always to think differently. First of all, most people don't use condoms. So how do we move the narrative beyond 40 years? ago, 50 years ago, nothing new has come into the sexual space to push the envelope to say, okay, I don't use condoms. Great. Well, how do we make sure we do all of these and use these products to decrease as much risk as possible? And it's super awesome to be on this front line of literally pushing the, the needle because it's it's a long time coming, literally, you know, and we really need to think differently in terms of our approaches and meet people uh, where they're engaging instead of thinking, oh, well, nobody, everybody's using condoms. Well, no, 75% of gay men don't use condoms. So why don't we think of other ways to mitigate risk? I think that's so important, like meeting people where they are, because you have this, I feel at times, like distance attitude of, oh, then that is the best practices and you shouldn't do should all of that. And people say, this is what I want to do. This is important for me. And there's this disconnect. I think one thing that was interesting about I looked at the future method website too, and also kind of like even again going to the branding, it felt like something like I was looking at a very well-designed doctor's product up, like, you know, website versus like some of the websites just like had 10 different pop-ups coming up with this odd colors and like next to a random like crazy shit stuff. But I love that. <laughs> I thought that was very tasteful and it was like uh, focus on health. And I think that's really, really important. And I think with the, exactly what you talked about, the kind of making sure that you are applying the right amount of product for a number of different reasons. And one is like, you want to make sure you are reducing the chance of any terrors, any of those issues. 
So what are, so we talked about condoms. So of course we encourage people to use condoms. That's something that they want, but you're right. Like you said, like 75% of people, they don't. What are some of the other good practices that we want to make sure we're helping people to reduce the chance of getting any sorts of STIs? Yeah. So I think uh, we spoke a lot about them and I'll just kind of go through them again. I think one is, is obviously finding a practitioner that supports the way you engage and making sure that you're doing every three month checks or depending upon where you are with your risk. The goal is for you to analyze your own risk. If you are engaging, let's say weekend, multiple different partners, the key is to kind of start really making sure that you are checking and you kind of pioneer your own health. I think that especially in sexual medicine, what I see is most people don't want to talk about it, even practitioners, and people don't feel and or they're not delivering the care that I think is appropriate. So first is to know that if you are engaging anally, that there's several tests that need to be done to rule out STIs. One is blood work. Two is an oral swab, an anal swab, and also a urine check. So every time you go, just making sure that you, and I don't love the fact that many practitioners make the client or the patient do their own swabs. I find that they won't go deep enough because it hurts. It's irritating. And that realistically, it should be done by a practitioner that understands the ins and outs of what we're trying to achieve. So first off, making sure that you feel safe and find practitioners that also practice what we're talking about now. The other aspect is a couple of things. One, if you don't need to douche, don't douche. We know that douching increases STDs and STIs. Also, when you look at lubricants, there's a lot of lubes that are out there. And even if you think that they're FDA regulated, they are to a point. And the point is that most of them exist and they're actually what's called hyperosmolar, meaning that they really are causing irritation, specifically anally. And so I'm still a huge fan of silicone-based lubricants. I think one, you you, you forego the water-based issues that most lubes have problems with. Two is, is that it's also the best from a lubricity perspective. We know that if you've overdouched and you have these internal cracks, now that's the night is for infections to happen. So using a right lubricant allows that to be setting the stage for success. Also, we spoke of pre-dilating and pre-lubricating and really getting yourself into a good space because think about it. If you're using water, you've stripped the lining inside. The area produces more mucus. It's more dry and irritated. And now if you either aren't using lube or aren't using the right lube, you're, you're just setting yourself up for so much potential issues that are there. I also think that you have to understand who you are, meaning if I'm having two STDs, a year. I need to look at how I'm engaging. And it's not to say that I want you to stop engaging, but I want us to analyze it to say, what are we doing in these practices to mitigate that risk? And why I say that is because obviously changing douching habits, using fiber supplementation, adding the pre and probiotic to help really with creating better microbiome. But also we do a lot of prophylactic work with antibiotics or anti-parasitic antibiotics. If I know, let's say that you love licking and rimming and analingus and you keep getting parasite infections, well, there's certain things that we can use as prophylactic treatment, knowing that if I'm going to a party and my risk is going to be higher, you can do preventative work by taking antibiotics to decrease STD risk. So 
all these things are, and there's so many more that will allow for the mitigation of risk. But I think it's putting yourself in a a situation where we're able to have a dialogue to know where do we want to go? And then also just reevaluating that because you may say, hey, you know what? I feel comfortable. Let's do STD screening every month. And then I say to you, look, we did seven months of screening and every single one is negative. Let's start decreasing that. And then we'll come back and we could always, and it's, it's a lot of give and take, but it's a really great process to now really start looking at sex in a completely different way. And, and I know nobody's doing that. You know, nobody's doing that on the bespoke surgical side. Nobody's doing it on the future method side. And I think that that is pushing this into such a great space to allow people to achieve what they want sexually. Absolutely. And at times people feel, okay, if I have STI, I'm dirty. And they get kind of like stuck in that shame cycle. That's just so not productive. But at times I compare it to like running. I love running. If I get five injuries within a year, then I'm doing something wrong with my running. So maybe I'm not stretching enough or there's some issues with my muscles, those kind of things. It's the same for our sexual health too. If you continue to have challenges, if you continue up to SDIs, then we can adjust and do the practices that can minimize that. And I love that you're emphasizing this kind of process of preparing yourself. And even when you feel you're ready, being slow is super important because I feel like people are ready. They're so excited and just they want to go for it. And that just, that can create like pain issues. And sometimes people feel it's normal for anal sex to be painful, which obviously that's not true. And sometimes people undermine the fact of like, you don't need full penetration for you to experience pleasure. That even with all sorts of different external simulation touches, different types of touches, that can bring people to orgasm. So it doesn't like, if you're not going full penetration and thrusting, it's not like you're not having your right kind of sex. Well, sometimes people say that they they experience some bleeding afterward. Is that common? So a couple of things that you mentioned that were so great and we should reemphasize. One is, is that no, bleeding should not happen. And if you're, you're doing toy work, you're using and or engaging anally, no, there shouldn't be bleeding. Now, yes, you're going to have here on there and we'll talk about that. But the reason why we spoke of dilating was so important was because I want you to use your own time to see what works and what doesn't. Because if you're doing dilating and you see that you're bleeding and or you went from the small to the medium toy and it's painful and you can't relax, then there may be something functionally and don't force it. See someone, you can come to my office at Bespoke, you can DM us and we'll talk about all that or see someone locally because you may have a hemorrhoid there, you may have a fissure there, you may have extra skin, your muscle may be actually just too tight and doing physical therapy and Botox, which I do a lot of, just decreases that pressure to allow you the benefits of anal play. So I think one is, I usually tell people two to three days of bleeding, you can chalk that up to, okay, maybe I nicked a little hemorrhoid, there's a little bit of a tear. If it's longer than that, you should see somebody. If it's persisting, meaning I feel really good, I tore. I feel really good again, and you're trying, I keep tearing. Those in and out, up and down cycles really should be seen from a practitioner that understands what's going on because there may be something so simple that if you treat it early enough, we're able to get you to where you want to be. So no, anal sex shouldn't be painful. Yes, you should have pleasure. You shouldn't always feel like you need to poop. 
And and the reality that I tell people all the time is, especially in, in business and in sex, is know when to say enough. Know when to stop. Know when. And I ask all the time, I said, well, where's your anal pain? They're like, oh, sometimes it's six out of 10. And I'm like, well, do you plow through it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. my partner's behind me. I just, you know, I'll, I'll just suck it up. And I'm like, no, don't just suck it up unless they're completely worth it. And like the best, uh, you know, the best you've ever gotten, then I understand that. But if it's just the routine, the reality is, is that we have to dispel all of those myths and really start looking at practitioners just to hold everyone accountable to say, look, we do have treatments that would approach better sexual practices. How do we educate people? How do we now deliver the care that allows the world to do what they want when they want? And, and we speak of that all the time. Absolutely. And I feel like, like the pain piece is so important because of these misinformation and myths that's, that's out there and that can kill your desire if you continue to having painful sex of course you you will not be even with that guy that's 10 out of 10 <laughs> you wouldn't want to have sex all the time maybe like a couple times so you're tolerating it and then that's like no thank you but also i hear people sometimes one of the mistakes they make they they use numbing cream and i think that can dampen dampen the pleasure and it's just i don't feel like that's necessary what's your input on that yeah i agree i mean again the numbing cream is used for obviously certain situations. Some people from a premature ejaculation use that. Also from a bottoming perspective, whether it's a numbing lube to help minimize with discomfort or that they also may get off too soon. And by keeping that lubricant in there, the desensitizing allows for that. Now, I think, look, if you prove to me that you can take whatever you want without the numbing lube, fine. I'm fine with you bringing in that. And it's the same component also with drugs. A lot of people do poppers or they'll do other medication and drugs to relax or put themselves into the sexual euphoria. And I am all for that, whatever you want to do. But the problem that I have is when you are that euphoric or that you are that numb in the area, you don't feel. And when you don't feel, someone can be injuring you without knowing it. And it is so common for me to see people, whether they're on G or whether they go to these sex parties and they're really high, where they come to me with significant anal trauma and they say, Evan, I didn't even feel any of it. So I usually tell people, no, I'm not a huge proponent of the numbing stuff. I understand why you use it, but I would say make sure that whatever act you're doing, that you're able to fully relax and receive that without the numbing, without the poppers, without. And then if you want to bring that in, I'm fine with it. It's more of a lot of people are using that to get to where they actually shouldn't be until they've really dilated or seen someone or worked in a better manner to get there. Well, if we are doing twice or we're doing things and I, I had clients, they, they told me like, no matter how much preparation I put into, it's just not working for me. And that's the sexual experience they want to have. What are some medical intervention? I know you mentioned a few of them, but what are some of the medical interventions? And I guess the next question with that is, is that something that can help us to get to the place we want to get to? A hundred percent. So I think one of the things first to think of is I really just need a good sexual history and a good examination to truly, truly see what is going on. So if you come to my office at Bespoke Surgical, what I do is obviously it's about a 40 to an hour of discussing and figuring out where we are, where do we want to go and how do we get you there? 
the examination, yes, is all those STD screenings we spoke about, but it's also a, a good anoscopic examination, both out and in with a camera that's able to really be magnified. So we're able to see, well, what are the limitations? Is there something that's causing the pain and or the bleeding or is the muscle too tight? And so by doing that, I'm able to truly see the extent of where we are. Also, Steve, who's our physical therapist in the office, is amazing. We do a man what's called a manometry, where we measure the actual pressures and the actual muscle so that we're able to see, is it a muscle issue? Is it a skin issue? Is it a combination of both? And then Steve works with the clients to really make sure that like the dilating protocol and everything that we're talking about is actually being delivered in the right way. I find a lot of it is just people come to me with misinformation and they're not doing things the right way from preparing and or douching and or engaging anally and understanding what positions are favorable versus not. So there's this educational piece. And then obviously the functional piece of me making sure. Now, if I look in there and everything is perfect, except the muscle just doesn't want to listen to you, we do a lot of in-office Botox work. And it paralyzes the muscle. We have three muscles. Two of them, we leave where they're still functioning. That third muscle is where we would give Botox to allow for that to start to relax. And that in and of itself starts to translate just into easeability with using toys and getting you into a better space. It lasts for about four to five months. Um, we usually do it a couple of sessions. You don't shit yourself on the street or any problems. A lot of people ask me all that all the time. You you will have a little bit of gas incontinence in the first couple of weeks until you understand. And then also, not that you're going to go to the bathroom, but you, if you feel like you do have to go the first couple of weeks, you'll go because we wanted you to understand the new area of what we're trying to do. But it really helps take off that pressure so that you can start dilating in the right way. You could feel sexy. Mentally, it starts to push things in the right direction. And then it gets you to where you want anally. And it's the same thing with like some people come to me they're like, Evan, I used to be able to bottom without a problem. My new partner is very well endowed. I'm having issues. That's where Botox comes into play. Or I've been taking large toys. I actually want to go into fists and push the, the boundaries with me. How do I do that? Well, a lot of times we work with Botox and dilating in a certain way. And obviously all of those lead me down to, okay, well, are there hemorrhoids that are issues? Is there a chronic fissure? Is there a gland issue? The one thing that I see hugely in the communities is anal gland irritation and anal gland restriction. And what is that? Well, in everyone's asses, we have these small glands. They're about two to three centimeters inside. And they're similar to dogs and cats, though the so they're fading out in terms of, you know, human evolution. But what they do is they secrete a little bit of mucus so that when you do go to the bathroom, you're lubricating that area. Because there's high pressure in having a bowel movement, that lubricant is supposed to protect it. But with sex, it's actually a one-way valve, meaning when we're douching and we're having sex, starts to, things start to kind of get into those glands. And they can cause infections, which is an anal abscess, or develop into an anal fistula. Or what I see mostly is that it won't allow the skin to fully open. So what winds up happening is, is that because of that, you now feel pain, there's irritation, you may cut yourself and get a fissure, the muscle may spasm. So in a lot of people, I'd say about 50% of what surgeries I'm doing, I'm actually
actually going in there and opening up those glands to create more of an accordion so that the skin can relax and also the muscle relax behind it. So I think there's a lot of functional issues. And the goal is for me to marry mental with functional. And I always say, what would be your ideal? Now we start to work backwards to say, how do I as a surgeon, as a practitioner and provider, get you to where you need to be? And there's so many different tools. And the goal is not always to go to surgery. We're going to try the first couple of buckets first, which is how do you do it on your own? How do we now do it with either me giving Botox and or Steve doing some physical therapy. And then if we've said, hey, we've tried all of this, clearly there may be a gland issue or a functional issue that I need to do surgically, then we go into that bucket. Well, with Botox, I, I, I think I know the answer, but I bet many of our listeners are thinking about, oh God, would that reduce the pleasure? Yeah, no, actually, I think that the key is it's a fine balance and a dance, but most people that are using Botox, they're not having pleasure, they're having pain or they're not able to get to where they want to. And so again, in the beginning, let's say we know that uh, the first time I gave 100 units and you said to me, you know, I, I really relaxed me. Maybe it relaxed me a little too much. We now would dwindle that down and titrate it to about 70 or 60 units or bring it. And there's a lot of that kind of chatting and communication to get you where you need to. Most of the people that are using Botox is because they're way too tight to begin with and their pleasure is not there. And that is what is now going to allow you to get to where you want to be. Absolutely. And I know you do lots of great services in your office, as you mentioned, from education to assessment to treatment. So I bet many of our listeners thinking about like, I, I want to go see Dr. Goldstein <laughs> because of like, you know, prevention, action, kind of treatment, all of that. So what are some of the places that can people get a hold of you? Sure. Yeah. So Bespoke Surgical is my practice. We're in New York City. Obviously, all social channels is through that. A lot of education is on there. Also, we have, just because people come to me all the time and ask me, what's the best lube? What's the best toys? We also have a shop on that that you can kind of look at. And I try to explain to you my rationale for why I've chosen these products because of the betterment for getting us to where we want to sexually. Obviously, through social channels on Instagram, Bespoke Surgical, you can definitely DM us. I have a personal, it's called Dr. Dr. Evan Goldstein. Um, on Instagram. And that's a little bit more of anal work, my twin boys and partner and kind of social world that I'm in. And that kind of gets people into a little bit of a different role of who I am as a dad, a physician, and also someone that takes care of ass, right? And then obviously with Future Method, I think we are really looking towards that from an educational piece, but also products that support how we engage. So obviously futuremethod.com and then on Instagram and social stuff, it's the future method. And you can kind of navigate to understand the douching, understand the routines. And I break up sex into the before, the during, and the after. And the before is how do I prepare myself through douching, through cleansing, through uh, lotions and getting myself to dilating? Obviously, the play aspect is the lubricant and the sex that we're engaging with. And then obviously the aftercare. And the aftercare really is a lot of different products. One is an anal exfoliant that is really great. You can use it before and after. But I was devised because lubricants and excrement is sometimes difficult to wash off. And how do we really rehydrate and re replenish knowing that, hey, I may want to actually bottom and engage tomorrow or the next day. And so really getting rid of dead skin, nourishing and rehydrating allows that to really be important. 
Also, we do have an appropriate button body soothing cream. And it's more of like the first aid of, okay, I did bottom. Now I'm going to clean appropriately. How do I then put something that is fast on and fast off? Because really that area has a lot of moisture to begin with. And how do we now moisturize it, but also get it dry and create a barrier to protect? So those are the different channels that we have to really, really kind of streamline, you know, any sexual activity that we want to engage and support it through surgical means, through aesthetic means, and then obviously through the product side. And then on the bespoke side, we also do a lot of aesthetic work in the office, whether it's bleaching, laser hair removal. We do a lot of microdermabrasion stuff in terms of really microneedling with scar revision or butt acne and, and certain things that we just feel that, again, is so taboo in the world and everybody's so focused facially that we're really not looking at things that we know is important to communities. Well, thank you so much for sharing those resources. Thank you so much for bringing awareness on this topic because I feel genuinely there's a disconnect. There are a galaxy of people who are like performers, nothing wrong with, with educator performance, all of those wonderful people. But I think it's important to also have someone that have a medical background to talk about these things in a way that's not non-shaming. And I think it's wonderful that you are providing that education. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Anytime you need anything, just let us know. Thank you. Have a lovely day. You too. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. I certainly learned more about proper preparation and also what's quote unquote normal and expected and what are some of the things that are might need some medical attention. At the end, I wanted to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Permescent. As I mentioned at the beginning, I personally use a number of their products, but two of my favorite, one is the lubricant. And whenever you want to have anal sex, you must have good lubricant in hand. That's a must. And I love Permacent products and their lubes are the lubes that we're using. And they have awesome before and after vibes. So if you want to have all sorts of sexual experiences, having these vibes can be super helpful because you want to feel comfortable in your body and their body safe. I personally use it and I think it's amazing. If you want to check out their product, go to promescent.com. And if you want, mention that we referred you so we get some love from them. Make sure you are tuning in to our next episode. We're going to talk about pegging and if you are interested in exploring anal pleasure, this can be a right episode for you. As always, I'm super grateful for every single one of you guys that listen to our show. And if you have a moment, give us some love with leaving a review in iTunes, Seashares, and wherever you're listening to this show. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www sexologypodcast.com Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.